When we share someone's story here on The Diaries, the episode might end, but their story doesn't. So many of the people we've talked to, they've gone on to do incredible things. They have epic adventures and make significant impacts in our community. Over on Diaries Plus, we're catching up with some of our former guests to see what they've been up to. I recently sat down with Connor Ryan, a Lakota professional skier from our Sacred Slopes episode, who's been knocking out groundbreaking projects ever since the episode aired. It's really incredible. We had a great discussion about the impacts he's made, what keeps his fire burning, and taking ski lessons as a pro skier. Here's a snippet of the conversation. All the source of joy that I use to fill my cup to be out in the world doing positive things comes from my relationship to the outdoors. And so I've really focused on like, wow, like there's so much power if I can give one person the relationship to the outdoors that that I have through skiing. And maybe that will have as profound of an effect on them as it's had on me. To listen to the full episode, use the link in the show notes to subscribe to Diaries Plus today. Yeah, you get more shows, but you also have a peace of mind of powering what's out there right now, keeping us moving forward, keeping this community together. So thank you for everyone who supported and everyone who's going to support. We appreciate it. Hey everyone, just a quick note that this episode contains a mention of suicide. Thanks. Skirt was my dad's nickname. I'm not sure why or where it came from, but I know he had a red, blue, and white woolen hat with scoot knit into the front. I know that when he started making climbing and hang gliding harnesses for his friends, scoot was the name he used for his company. From pictures, stories, and a scattering of memories, I know he loved nature and the outdoors. But I don't really know him, because on the 2nd of August, 1993, Alone in a field, he took his own life. That day, my mom faced the impossible task of telling three young children that their dad was gone. She told us that he died in a hunting accident. Then, she set about the task of being parent enough for both of them, something she managed with room to spare. I don't know exactly when, but from a young age, I became suspicious that my dad didn't die in an accident. I knew the kind of gun he used. I knew he was a careful gun owner. I knew he was alone. But for nearly 20 years, I didn't talk about it with anyone. That doesn't mean I didn't think about it. I thought about it a lot. But I was also terrified of being right and terrified of upsetting anyone in my family. I got used to not having a dad and had a wonderful childhood thanks to my mom and siblings and the support of our family. We talked about dad from time to time and had pictures of him around the house. But it seemed like there was a depth of conversation we all avoided. And I could never fully shake the nagging feelings about what happened to him. I could never outrun the questions and rabbit holes they could drag me down. 
Years later, as an adult studying in Denmark, far away from my family in Scotland, I decided I wanted to know for sure. I ordered a copy of his death certificate, and one day an official-looking envelope showed up in the mailbox. The words I saw didn't surprise me. Cause of death, contact gunshot wound to the head. I then went through a pretty tumultuous period. I was angry, sad, lost, and confused. Every time I went home to see mom, I'd psych myself up to ask her about what happened. But I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I didn't want to upset her. I didn't want to make her feel bad for not being able to tell us the truth. I didn't want to seem ungrateful for all the things she'd done for me and our family. Just before my 26th birthday, I moved to America and tried to get on with my life. But holding this all inside wasn't working. In the lonely aftermath of a breakup, I realized that shielding this secret had been part of every relationship I'd ever had. Family, friends, partners. I'd kept them all away from the thing I needed them to understand most. Sitting in my apartment, depressed, isolated, and exhausted, I finally understood how important it was for me to talk about what happened. And when I called my mom back in Scotland from my new home in Seattle, she told me everything. Dad suffered terribly with depression. He felt like a failure, like he was constantly letting people down, even when that couldn't be further from the truth. Despite having a family he loved and choosing gardening over a career that stressed him out, he couldn't shake his demons. Unfortunately, he believed that all he could do was ride his mood right down to the bottom before coming back up. Sadly, on this occasion, he rode it past the point of no return, went out to hunt rabbits, and never came home. As mom explained this to me, it all made so much sense. I felt relieved that we were no longer alone with our secrets. I also recognized the feelings she described. Thankfully, I never felt them as potently as Dad did, but I knew the nonspecific but real feeling of letting people down, of feeling like a bad person, feeling sad and numbed and scared of the world. After years of wondering who Dad was and why he'd chosen to leave us, I felt the sad a very real thing we had in common. By learning how dad died, I felt a deeper connection to him in a messed up kind of way. I also knew I didn't want to end up like him. I didn't want to be miserable. I didn't want to try to ride things out and refuse help. I no longer wanted to be an expert in avoiding deep relationships and conversations about dads just in case I had to talk about mine. I started going to therapy. Over the next few years, I became much more open about what happened. I discovered that sharing my story of losing dad brought people closer rather than pushing them away. We finally talked about it as a family and opened up the dark room that had been jammed shut for so long. Not long before the 25th anniversary of that dreadful day, I visited Patagonia in Argentina. 
on a cold and stunning morning I went out on a hike. I watched the wind sweep clouds to meet the reflection in the lake in front of me. And hearing the slow crunch of snow beneath my feet, I felt like the only person on earth. Surrounded by epic nature, I had a sudden and overwhelming realization. Dad would have loved this. It made me so happy, so grateful to think of him in his element. To imagine him looking around in awe the same way I was now. I bet he would know what kind of bird just swooped by. From that moment on, I could see Dad through a different lens. When I look back at my memories or talk to people who knew him, I saw more of the thoughtful, adventurous, creative man I'd only caught glimpses of as a kid. As a teenager, Scoot would hitchhike in the north of Scotland just to sleep in the mountains. As he got older, he'd make gear and equipment with his own hands if he or a friend couldn't find it. He loved to spend time under or in the sky, climbing, hang gliding, camping and skiing. He adored nature with all his being. Since that day in Argentina, I've spent more time outside. Surfing, camping, running, swimming. And it always makes me feel more grounded, more grateful, more alive. Exploring this shared passion decades apart gives me a cherished window into who Dad was when he was on good terms with the universe. More importantly, it reminds me to keep finding ways I can experience my own existence in vivid and fulfilling ways. I might not be able to get to know Alistair David Watt Fraser or what it's like to have him as a dad, but I'm sure I get to know Scoot a little bit more every time I jump into my camper van and hit the road to feel a fresh, cold Pacific Northwest wave crash over my head. After decades of wondering why he's gone, I'm beginning to understand why dad was here and ready to keep exploring why I am, too. My name is Ewan Fraser, and this is my short. Ewan, thank you so much for sharing your story. If you or someone you know needs help, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. Our stories come from friends, from friends of friends, and from you, our community. If you have a compelling idea for a guest or a story lead, give us a shout. You can find the submission form on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Music today is from Kai Engel and Brendan O'Connell. The tracks are courtesy of the artists or Free Music Archive. Jacob Bain and Nisekoto composed our theme song. You can find links to the artists at our website. This episode was produced by me, Cordelia Zars, 
with additional production help from Ashley Langholtz and Becca Cajal. Artwork by Anya Miller. Becca Cajal is our executive producer. Fitz Cajal is our creative director. I'm Cordelia Zars. Thanks for tuning in.